What happens to the person who lives on a remote island in the middle of nowhere? Does he get a, a shot at redemption? On a deeper level, some of us have the, the, the same concerns when we see a, a child die young. And we think, oh my goodness, they didn't have a chance to understand what I understand. They didn't hear, have a chance to, to hear about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his forgiveness. D do they get to go to heaven? It's a big question. And so today, as I try and answer it, just want to remind you of something that will become very, very clear very, very soon. I don't have all the answers, but I do believe in that gap between where my answers end and where God's are complete. We know enough about God to trust into that gap. Does that make sense? So, first thing I want to say in answer to this question is that we have a tight rope of hope. Last week, we talked about this diagram where most other religions say, what do I have to do to work my way up to God? Well, what do I have to do to climb these steps to get to heaven? But Christianity is completely upside down. And we believe that Jesus is the way because he came down the steps. Because out of love, he, he stepped down. In grace, he said, no, no, no. I want to be with you, but I know you can't climb up to me, so I'm going to climb down. And that's why we proclaim that Jesus is the way. In that same scripture, in John 14, not only does Jesus say, I am the way, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying that I am the key, I am the rope that you need to hang on to if you want to get to heaven. The Apostle Paul explains the process of how we get to hang on to this rope that saves us. The scripture uh, here in Romans 10 says this. This is how the, that process works. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? That is why Paul says, the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul here is affirming what Jesus has said in John 14. There's a process. You get to heaven by believing in this process. You are saved if you call on Jesus, but you can only call if you believe, and you can only believe if you have heard, and you can only hear if you are told, and you can only be told if someone tells you. Paul is agreeing with Jesus. There's one rope here to hang on to, to be saved, and that is Jesus Christ the way. 
It is through Jesus that we are forgiven. It is through Jesus that redemption is possible. It is this belief that strengthens and protects and promotes the gospel. No wonder Paul says, when those people we go and share the gospel, our feet become beautiful. But because we are taking this incredible news, this light and this life to people who are in darkness and in death and saying, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. It is through Jesus that we are saved. It is Jesus' death and his resurrection and his forgiveness that saves us. That is the belief of the church of Jesus Christ. It has been through history. It is by Bible believers today. If we want to be saved, Scripture is pretty clear. If we want to come and know the Father, we have to hang on to this tight rope of what it means to follow Jesus. Has anyone heard of Nick Wolanda? You know who I'm talking about when I mention that name? He's the tightrope walker, right? He's done some incredible things. He's walked across the Grand Canyon on a piece of wire. He's crossed skyscrapers uh, hundreds of feet in the air in New York just by balancing himself and clinging to this tight rope that gets him from where he is to where he needs to go. Two, three years ago, Tracy and I had the opportunity to meet with him, and we saw his show, and we were talking with him afterwards. As you can imagine, in a setting like that, there are all kinds of questions. In this post-show conversation, he said, you got to focus on the rope. So if you focus elsewhere, you know what happens? You fall off the rope. It's the same way with Jesus. He's given us this rope. We focus on the rope. We lose our focus. Things start to, to fail and fall. He, he says this rope, it's got to be really tight. He says you've got to check that it's anchored well. Because if the rope is loose and it's not anchored well, then you're in big trouble. That the same is true of our relationship with Jesus. As we say, he is the way, right? He is anchored well. Clinging onto him makes sense. Because there's a firm foundation. Then Willanda said, you just got to trust the rope. As believers, that's what we do, right? We trust Jesus. I want to be very clear right as I try to answer this question. I know I haven't touched it yet. I know you're saying I'm, not, I'm missing the point. <laughs> I'm getting there. But the first thing we need to understand is that in Jesus, we have a tight rope of hope. Like Nick Wolanda walking across his rope, our rope has to be right. But what does that mean then, if Paul's words are true, for someone who through no fault of their own has not heard of the gospel? The question is to kind of move forward with the tightrope analogy is, is there a safety net? Is there a safety net for those who have never heard of Jesus? 
Do they get rescued? Do they get saved? Or are they, because of no fault of their own, just condemned to a life away from God? Salvation is through Jesus, but can some people be saved without hearing him? Scripture suggests a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, in Romans chapter 1, this is what Paul says. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Read that slowly. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without an excuse. Focus on that for a moment. What it seems like is that Paul is saying that even if people haven't heard about Jesus, there is a God consciousness that is aroused and awakened in them through God's creation. And somehow, in some way, God's looking at that as well. Frank and I, where's Frank? I saw him a minute ago. Frank and I had dinner the other day. And we got talking about um, the wonder of creation. And uh, Frank said he was going to send me a little video, but he didn't, so I wait for it. But I went on YouTube myself. <laughs> Just about how, when you look at some of the places that science and technology is, is, is taking us in terms of the creation, that it's actually getting harder and harder to say that there isn't a God who created this. And we can look through a telescope, right? And look at things in the minutest way, the atoms, and we say, wow, how did that happen? That was some kind of explosion, if that's all it was. And we can look through a telescope, and we can see galaxies far, far away. And we say, how did that happen? For me, whether I'm looking through a microscope or a telescope, I see the minute detail or I see the vastness of the universe, and my first reaction is to say, wow, we have a God who does that. You know, there are a lot of other people who look through a microscope or a telescope, and they see that, and they said, man, that was a crazy big bang. Paul is saying that when we look at creation, how we view the creation somehow, in some way, causes us to respond to God or not. And perhaps, just perhaps, Paul is saying that there's a safety net there for those who've never heard the news or the gospel of Jesus. A second Second way, just a, a few verses later, in Romans chapter 2, this is what Paul says again. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences and bearing witness and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them, and other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as the gospel declares. 
What Paul is saying is that Jesus is the filter through which people will be judged. But Paul also seems to be suggesting that there's something that, that happens in our heart, something that happens in our consciousness that God is looking at as well. Again, when bad things happen, even if we've got, got no consciousness of God, no awareness of, of Jesus Christ, how do we respond? When we're faced with a moral dilemma, how do we respond? Paul seems to suggest that God is looking at that stuff. And I wonder, I just wonder, if not only does creation, but also our conscience provide some kind of safety net for those who have never heard about Jesus. Nowhere in Scripture does it teach that someone who hasn't heard about Jesus is saved. But I believe there are a few verses that infer that. Just because a person is born at the wrong time in a wrong place doesn't mean that they are excluded from the forgiveness and the redemption that God offers. There are examples in this throughout Scripture. Rahab, who's a prostitute, had, had little or no awareness of God. But, but somehow her her conscience or something pushed her to, to serve God. And God looked and called her faithful. Naaman, he was granted peace with God. Even though he lived in a, a secular world. Because with the little he knew about God, the little he saw, he chose to exercise faith with it. We have this tight rope of hope in Jesus that we walk along. But scripture suggests perhaps that for those who have never heard, there is a safety net. Another point to this argument, another thought, is that we must remember who our God is. Our God is the one who desires that none should perish. Our God is the one who loves people who haven't heard of him enough that he sent his son to die for him. As David said earlier, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Acts 17 says this, that God will judge the world in righteousness that he will judge with justice. If God looks upon someone who has had no opportunity to hear of the gospel and dismisses him without thought, then that is not a just or a righteous decision. There's a tightrope of hope we put our faith in Jesus and he saves us. But for those who haven't heard, which excludes all of us, perhaps there's a safety net. 
because our God rules with righteousness and justice and he will judge in that way. It is a sure and certain hope that we can trust that God will judge justly. You know, God's so desperate to to, to love us, to come and, and meet us. You know, Scripture is full of saying, hey, if you don't know me, just, just ask. You know, if you're lost, just, just seek. And then he shows up. There's a guy called uh, Cornelius who, who wanted to know God, but he had no, no way of doing so, and he prays. And Peter shows up, and Peter tells him about Jesus, and he comes to faith in Christ. He, he holds on to this tight rope. Because in whatever way we're asked, heaven is trying in whatever way it can to answer the questions, to make the connection, to build the relationship, to save his people. You guys familiar with the song, Reckless Love? You know that? It's, it's, it's a new song. It's a very popular song. We talked about singing it today, but David sang it like four weeks in a row, so he needed a break from it. But the thing that's captured the hearts of so many about that song is that it talks about how reckless God's love is. That it will do anything and go anywhere. It will pay the price. It will make the sacrifice. It will turn worlds upside down just to reach those that God loves. What happens to those who've never heard about Jesus? First of all, remember, we have heard about Jesus and we hold on to this tight rope. There are some stories and suggestions in Scripture that perhaps give some peace to that issue. That how we respond to where we see God infused in creation. How we respond to God infused in morality and conscience matters. Because we serve a God. She was excited. She liked that point. I saw her running towards the door. and Brittany just grabbed her before she ran into it. That was good. <laughs> and we think there's possibly this safety net because it would be in the nature of God to love us, to catch us, right? Frank Willenda. Is that his name, Frank? Nick. Nick, Nick, Nick. Where did I get Frank from? It didn't sound right. So we're talking. He said, hey, you've got to focus on the rope. You've got to focus on the rope, all that kind of stuff. I said to him, Frank, but when you're practicing to go, Frank, I didn't say Frank. I said, Nick. Why can't I get this right? Nick. <laughs> Nick, when you're practicing, when you're learning to do this tight rope, Walking, he says, Surely you got to set up. I said, Surely you got to set up some safety nets too. Do, do you practice with safety nets? He said, No, 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 we don't. And I was shocked. I'm like, Well, that feels kind of dumb to me when you're walking, you know, hundreds of feet above everything. Can you not practicing at least with a safety net? He says, My family used to, and this is several generations in, but we discovered two things about safety nets. The first 
is that if you have a safety net, you tend to focus on the safety net, not on the rope. Second thing he said was what we found as well is that more people hurt themselves, injure themselves, or have actually lost their life trying to get out of the safety net than those who have falls on the ropes. And it struck me when he said this, because I think there's such application to our lives and there's such application to this. Jesus is our tight rope. There may be a safety net for those who've never heard, but we would be foolish to trust and wait on that safety net for us. I want to close with this, this last point. Jesus is the way. There may well be this safety net because our God is loving and caring and compassionate. But because there is a safety net, we should not focus on that and we should not use that safety net as an excuse for either responding to God and what he asks of us or as an excuse for taking this gospel of Jesus and sharing it with others. If there is a safety net, which scripture suggests there is, we cannot use it as an excuse not to respond to what God asks of us. We can't say, oh, God, I'm not going to do it because the safety net, the safety net, catch me, I'll be all right. It's Monday, I got a call from the police department about 8.30. He needed a chaplain at a house down the street. Lady had got back from work. It was about 8 o'clock. The child who was six was at a babysitter. She'd got home and she found her husband face down on the floor. Had a heart attack about lunchtime. He was 35. She was 32. They'd given themselves to pursuing these dreams. Just like that. Their dreams had ended. As I was standing with these family and seeing grief like I haven't seen for a long time, and trying to love and trying to care and trying to pray a little bit, quietly in my head, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I hope there's someone with beautiful feet who's been by these parts, who's told them about the rope, who's told them about forgiveness. I hope this man who was trying to figure out what life was, was all about heard that good news. I hope he responded to it. And it reminded me we can't not share the gospel just because there may be this safety net. We have to keep going. We have to keep loving. We have to keep sharing. We have to keep serving. We keep having to, to take our beautiful feet and put them in really messy situations. There's no excuse not to do that. 
Second story that happened this week that reminded me that we got a responsibility to say yes. That just because there's a safety net doesn't, doesn't mean that we get to choose whether we're going to say yes or not. On Wednesday morning, I got an email from my dad. His little church that we grew up in, he was, he was the pastor of that and several other churches in a little town called West Burgholt. West Burgholt's a little village of um, about 5,000 people next to a town where I grew up called Colchester, which has about 110,000 people, which is about 30 miles away from London, which is a, a city of about 7, 8 million people. This church was really small when I was there, maybe 40, 50 people. But it was at that church that I decided to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I got nothing but great memories of that church and all it gave to me and all it taught to me. My dad sent me this email on Wednesday saying the church was closing. That church had been in the village, the building alone, for over 130 years. But there was a faithful witness from that church for probably 200 years. And it was because of that faithful witness that my life forever changed. And when I read this email, I was a little bit upset, which was probably holy. But I got a lot angry, which was very unholy. Because somewhere, at some time, someone fumbled the ball. Someone said, I can take my foot off this gospel pedal. Someone didn't follow Jesus as passionately, as clearly, as fully as they should. And this church that was such a bright light in my life. In a couple of weeks, they're going to have a service and close it down. And that light will be extinguished. Because somebody, and probably a lot of somebodies, said, we're going to stop encouraging people to cling on to this rope. We're going to say, hey, it's, it's okay, whatever you believe. Someone said, we're, we're not going to be these beautiful feet that bring good news and that tell. What happens to those who've never heard about Jesus? This is what we know. That Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's the deal. If you've heard that message, you've got to respond to it. What about those who've never heard? It would seem that there's some grace. It would seem that there's some way that God is looking at those people through the filter of Jesus and we know that he's righteous and he's just. We walk the tightrope. Maybe, probably, possibly, there is some kind of safety net. But as Nick Melinda said, we would be foolish, foolish to trust the safety net.
We have no excuse not to respond to the things that God is asking of us and not to respond to this glorious gospel, this good news that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it's our job let our feet become good news to go to those places. You know, maybe, hey, one day we'll go there. But right now we got to start right here with these the people that we know and that we love. We got to hold tightly to that rope and invite others to do so as well. Because there may be some grace and a safety net for those who haven't heard but for those of us who have heard, we got to hold on tight to Jesus.